I just wanted to start with a funny story that happened to me this morning. Um, how many people know things don't always go to plan? Yeah, good. Uh, I had a bit more of a beard yesterday. Um, like, I had almost a pretty full beard going on, as best as I can, because I can't really grow a beard. But it was pretty good, and this morning I was getting ready, this, and I was doing my usual routine, and I wanted to give it a bit of a neaten up this morning, so I pulled out my little neatening shaver thing, and I put it onto the setting I normally use, start to go on, and I normally start at my moustache for some reason, which I'm going to change now, but <laughs> what happened was I've done it, put it on there, and looked at, and half my moustache was gone. And I'm like, looked down, and the setting thing got stuck. It didn't actually move. So I figured rather than coming to you with half a moustache this morning, I would actually get rid of the rest of it. <laughs> so that's hence my look this morning. But, but I just wanted to share that this morning because things don't always go to plan, do they? And I just feel this morning that there's people here that, you know, you might be at a juncture in your life right now where you think things have just not gone to plan. Maybe it's over this weekend. Maybe it's been this week. But there's something in your life right now you're thinking, it's just not going to plan. You know what the Word of God says? It says that where two or three gather, He is in the midst. And you know who that He is? That's Jesus. And He is here this morning. And I just wanted to encourage you this morning that just because things might not have gone to plan so far, in the presence of Jesus, everything can change. Everything can change. So this morning, I just want you to just open your heart with that this morning. If you feel that, hey, I don't know where I'm going right now, things aren't to plan, just open your heart that Jesus can change that here this morning. Amen? So we're doing this great study at the moment through as a church looking through the harmony of the Gospels. And I love that because the Gospels are about my favorite person, Jesus. So we, we're reading all through the Gospels this week. And this coming week, we're going to look through John chapter 7 and 8. And uh, in John chapter 7, you'll see there's a lot of conjecture about who Jesus is. There's all this argument about people uh, saying, is he the Messiah? Isn't he the Messiah? Who is he? And, uh, and uh, Jacob Cunningham did a great word last night about that particular topic, that it's still relevant today because people still have that same battle. Who is he? Is he a savior? Is he just a good man? Um, so I encourage you to uh, download that and have a listen to that because that was fantastic. But uh, we pick up now in verse 8. It's one of my favorite stories in the gospel in John chapter 8 uh, because it is a picture of a sinner at the feet of Jesus. For all intents and purposes, it's a picture of me at the feet of Jesus. It's a picture of every single person in the world at the feet of Jesus. So I'm going to read it to you if you want to turn to John chapter 8 in your Bibles and reading from verse 1. And I'm going to read out of the New King James Version this morning. And it says this, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in the act of adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. <clears throat> now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Everybody say, as though he did not hear. 
So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your word says that faith comes through hearing, hearing through your word, God. And I pray, Lord, as we hear your word this morning, Father, that faith will rise in us, God. And we just thank you, God, Lord, that we will be encouraged and not only encouraged, but even transformed by your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. And I said before, I love this, uh, this account of this woman. Sorry, I'm just going to go down here because I just move around a lot. But uh, this, this woman gets uh, taken to Jesus. And there's a lot going on in this story because what they're actually trying to do, it says that they were trying to test him. So they brought this lady. It says that she was caught in the act in adultery. That's, that's significant because under Jewish law, they actually had to catch some. They need to be a witness to what had happened. So they've, they've caught this lady in the act of adultery. So a lot of commentators believe that this had to be a setup because that's probably something that's hard to actually do. So, they, uh, so they've set Jesus up with this woman and they think these Pharisees have got this plan. It says that they were testing him so that they might accuse him of something. And so he, they've got this plan. They're thinking to themselves, we've got him. We've got him now. You know, all through the earlier scriptures, they're all trying to find a way to God, and they think, we've got him now. See, because what they're doing is they're coming to Jesus, and they're presenting him with two options. They're basically saying to him, you either need to agree with the law and condemn this woman, or you need to argue against the law and basically open himself up to a charge of what they could then say he's blasphemed against the law. So they think, we've got him. He's got nowhere to go. But how many people know with God, there's always another way. And so Jesus doesn't take either of these options. He takes a completely different option, which I want to talk about this morning. You know, in the 90s, I wasn't a, a Christian in the 90s. Uh, that was my BC time, my before Christ time. But uh, there was a movement that you probably may know of, the WWJD, what Jesus would, what would Jesus do? And, and people used to wear it on little bracelets, those initials on their arms. And it was just to remind you as you had that bracelet on, that you should act um, in, a, in, in a loving way towards people. You should be encouraging people and you should be showing Jesus' love to people. But this morning, what I wanted to have a look at in this particular account is not what Jesus would do, but what Jesus didn't do in this particular scenario so that we can learn from that and apply to our own lives, but not only our own lives, into our interactions with other people. Amen. So they think they've got him. They've put these things together. This, and, uh, and Jesus, I love Jesus. He just, you just look at how he handles stuff. It just, just blows me away. But I, I got you to read out that part in, in verse 6 earlier where he said, as though he did not hear them. So they come and they throw this woman before him. And they say, you know, that she's done these things. She has broken the law. We need to punish her. And what's Jesus' reaction? It says, as though he did not hear them, he ignores them. That's basically what it's saying. He says, they did not hear. And he goes and writes on the ground. So he's just like, and off he goes. 
And there's lots of different commentary and speculation on, on what he actually wrote on the ground. But it's probably irrelevant. The fact of the matter is, is he did not hear the accusation. So point one I wanted to talk about today is that Jesus does not hear the accusation. You know, before I was saved, I, I um, was working with a friend of mine. And, uh, and they were, I didn't know at the time, but they were praying for me. And they wanted to see me come to Jesus. And uh, I remember one time we were, we were talking and I, and I used to have this debate about whether God was real or God was not and, um, with this young man. And he said to me, he said, why don't you just go home and just when no one else is around, just go and, and pray and just ask God. Say, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And if you're not, then you won't. And so I thought, that's interesting. That's a pretty good way of having a look at it. But I didn't do it. You know why I didn't do it? Because I actually had this, this thought because of my experience in life that to me that wouldn't prove anything because I might pray that prayer and God might be real, but he might not want to have anything to do with me. You know why? It's because there was so much accusation going on in my own head. I would declared myself guilty already. There was an accusation in my mind. And so friends, today as we, we sit in the presence of Jesus, I want to tell you that Jesus doesn't hear the accusation. You might hear the accusation against yourself. You might hear things that people have said about you or, or hear that circumstances are telling you this morning that things may not get better. No, you've blown it. No, can I tell you this morning that Jesus does not hear the accusation. Come on, give a lot of clap this morning. Jesus doesn't hear the accusation. You know, there's a lot of accusation in our world, isn't there? There's all so much people telling what people should do and what shouldn't do and, and, and that people should be living this way, that way or the other. Jesus doesn't hear the accusation. So not only do we need to ignore the accusations in our own mind about ourselves, when we look at other people... We need to ignore the accusation against them because people won't come to Jesus if we're accusing them. People will not come to Jesus if we're accusing them. And that's what I love about this is that as we go through life, that is the example of Jesus to those that did not know better, that were living a contrary life. What did Jesus do? He opened his arms to them and he ignored the accusations. So, that's point number one, ignoring the accusation. You know, recently I took up cycling. Is there any cyclists with us? Awesome. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. Now, I thought I got persecution as a Christian. When I became a cyclist, it's a whole new level. <laughs> There's a lot of cycle rage out there. You cyclists would agree with me, wouldn't you? There's a lot of cycle rage. But... Uh, I recently came and I was talking to a friend of mine about, uh, about the rules, road rules and all that sort of stuff. And he was telling me about a, a cyclist friend he's got that is basically um, when he's on the road, he doesn't care what's happening if he's in the right. So he looks at, uh, you know, the road rules and, he, and he's like, well, I'm going this, uh, that guy's got to give way. And it's like, that's a good point because in principle, that's correct. <laughs> he does have to give way, but it may end badly for you. <laughs> And I love in this particular account is what Jesus does is he actually does the opposite of that. He doesn't argue the principle. 
at the cost of the people. So, because in reality, what they were actually accusing of this lady of was correct. They'd caught her. She was technically guilty. But Jesus doesn't argue the law and say, yes, 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 that is the law. Tick the box. That is correct. She must be punished. No, he doesn't argue the principle at the cost of the person. And so as we go through our day-to-day life, we also need to take that with us, that we don't argue the principle. Yes, the Word of God says this, but that person is under grace. And I brought something to, to show you this morning, which is just part of my cycling paraphernalia. But uh, these are my cycling glasses, goggles, whatever you want to call them. Look at those, eh? I look pretty crazy right now wearing these in church, but they look good on the road, trust me. But I've put these on now, and you guys all look really different. You know, your slight tinge to everyone's colour has changed, because you probably notice these lenses are kind of orange. So I was just thinking about this this morning, and I just thought, we need to wear these kind of glasses with people. Not glasses like these that are stylish, like, you know, (laughs) I'll take them off but glasses that look through a filter of grace. So we need to put on our grace glasses. As we walk around Frankston, we need to wear our grace glasses so that we see people not through the lens of a principle of right and wrong, but out of a principle of grace that says doesn't matter what was wrong. The matter is that Jesus made them right, and let's look at them that way. That is the lens of grace. And so I urge you, just think about that this week. When you go out and uh, work or play or whatever it is you might be doing, don't put real glasses on like that, but put your grace glasses on and look at your friends, look at your family, look at your workmates through that lens. Amen? So that's point number two. I just want to share a scripture on you about that because I love what the uh, advice the Apostle Paul gives it to Timothy. He says this, he says, But avoid foolish dispute. This is in 2 Timothy 2, chapter 23. And we might have that on the screen. Um, but I'll read it to you. It says this, But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility correcting those in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. I love that scripture because he's saying, don't go into arguments, go into it with an idea that you want to teach them with gentleness. For what purpose? Not to prove that you're right, but so that they might know the truth and they too may repent and know Jesus. That, my friends, is looking through your grace glasses. You know, the third thing I want to look at, I was, I was praying months ago, and I just got this picture from God about a condemned building. I've never seen buildings of condemned. We don't see them too often in Australia, but you know, in America they have those big buildings, and, and they judge them condemned. And I was looking up that t- at the time as, what does this mean, God? Why are you showing me a picture of a condemned building? And I came then looking up a definition of this, and, and it said this. It said, a building that has been officially judged, unrepairable, and scheduled for destruction. Jesus doesn't condemn 
I love that last piece of the scripture. He says, where are your accusers? Says, no one condemn you. And she says, no, no one. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I officially judge you unrepairable. Neither do I judge you scheduled for destruction. Go. Sin no more. See, in the presence of Jesus, there is no condemnation. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in the Romans. Says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who don't live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See, I love this, looking at this picture of this woman at the feet of Jesus. She's been told that she's condemned. And Jesus says, no, no, you're not condemned. You're not condemned. And you know why? Because he knew that he was going to take that condemnation. He was going to take it all. He took her condemnation and ours, and he took it to the cross. And that's what he says. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You're not unrepairable. You are not unrepairable. And this city is not unrepairable. And every person you come across, no matter how unrepairable they may look, they are not unrepairable. They are not unrepairable. Jesus declared that the world was not unrepairable when he died on the cross. You know, I just, I just wanted to let it sink in for a moment. Is that when Jesus was on the cross, and we, we, we kind of get this from a, from a head level a lot of time, that, that he took our punishment. But a lot of time we don't remember at a spirit level where that sits. That we forget. How easy is it? You know, I talked about that story about myself not, not know, knowing whether God was real. That, that same thought still comes to me every so often. Not that he's not real, but does he really want to be bothered with this? Does he really want to be involved in this area of my life. And so I, I tend sometimes just to, to protect certain areas from God and, and put them aside. But, but he took all of the condemnation. He took it all the guilt. He took all the shame. He took everything away when he was on the cross. All of it. Not some of it. A little bit that's left over. All of it. Thank you, Jesus. And so as we come to a conclusion this morning, I just want to say, just recap those things. As we look at, first of all, Jesus doesn't hear the accusation against you. So don't hear it against yourself. And don't hear it to the people around you. And there's certainly no condemnation in Jesus. Certainly none when you're in his presence. Thank you, Lord.
just want to take a moment now and if we might just close our eyes this morning. I'd just like to take a moment. If you're here this morning, you've never met Jesus. Maybe, as I said at the start, things haven't gone to plan in your life. And you're thinking, hey, I don't know where, I, where I'm going or where I can go from here. I just want to invite you this morning that as with all of us, we all need to be at the feet of Jesus. And I just want to invite you this morning to, if you'd like to receive Jesus, and start a journey from this point on where things are different. I'd love you just to, to do something brave for me. Just everyone's eyes are closed here, so, so no one's going to see you except me. Just to, just to slip up your hand and say, yeah, you know what? I'd love to do that. Things haven't gone right. Things in my life haven't been the way I'd like them to be. I know I need a new start. So if that's you this morning, if you just want to slip up your hand and say, yeah, yeah, that's me this morning. Is there anyone here like that this morning? You, you want to have a fresh start with Jesus this morning? Or maybe maybe you've been away from Jesus for some time or you know, you've taken the reins of your life again. Maybe you just think, hey, no, I need to have a fresh start this morning with my Saviour. So if that's you as well, I'd love to, love to pray with you. Is there anyone like that this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And while we just uh, got our eyes closed this morning, and just in the presence of our Saviour, just to take a moment just to open up our hearts and maybe that's you that I was speaking about before where you feel like you've, you've compartmentalized things and you've put certain things aside and you haven't let Jesus in I just want you just to open those this morning let him in he's a good God he's not going to condemn you he's going to save you every hour of your life. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just thank you for every person here this morning. Thank you, God, that you love them, that you're for them. And Lord, that as they open their hearts this morning to you, God, that there is no condemnation there, only grace. Lord, that you see them this morning, God through your grace only. And I thank you, God, as we, we leave this place, God, we will take that grace with us to those people around us. And we will take that grace to our community, to our friends, to our family members. Thank you for your grace.
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.